Welcome back to another episode of the Young Turks Podcast. Mason Viner and Ahmed Gafir. Ahmed, I feel like we've been talking about it the entire time we've been doing the show. The Terps finally get their big five-star commit for this class. Derek Queen this week announces his commitment to Kevin Willard and the Terps. Yeah, obviously a huge week for Kevin Willard. I think this is someone that we all uh, Merrill fans kind of looked at as someone that he Merrill needed to get, that Willard needed to get, obviously, uh, with him uh, upon his hire, uh, making the DMV a focus. And, you know, uh, Derek Queen, obviously a, a pursuit from Maryland since the start of his high school career. But uh, for Kevin Willard and co, you know, first started by Tony Skin and led by David Cox, uh, Merrill never wavered and were able to outlast uh, Derek Queen prolonged his recruitment past the uh, early signing period. Uh, we're able to go head-to-head -head with Indiana and uh, undoubtedly the biggest win for Kevin Willard. And uh, I think I'm willing to say it's the biggest commitment since uh, Melo Trimble came to Maryland. Yeah, certainly is. Top 15 player consensus across the board. Five-star by most major outlets on three has him as a four-star just because generally they rank less five-star players. What are the Terps getting with the 6'9 center? Yeah, obviously you're getting a really uh, fluid, really, uh, I wouldn't say athletic, but just someone he's very light on his feet and his footwork. Uh, everyone credits his hands, uh, you know, the ball's in his vicinity and he gets fingers on it. It's his ball. Um, and he's just very fluid around the rim. Um, when he was at St. Francis and earlier in his career, uh, I remember a couple of two games I watched him with Julian Reese and, um, you know, early on in his career when he was an underclassman, he was able to showcase just really uh, that smooth touch and, and was able to have a mid-range and three-point three point shot as well uh, that made him look like an inside-out threat. And really over the last two years, he's kind of shied away from the, the perimeter shooting the mid-range, which is something that he probably needs to add back, especially when you look at how he and Juli uh, uh, Julian Reese could potentially pair uh, at the four and five, um, you know, for Derek Queen to be able to, be able to um, implement a, a consistent jump shot, mid-range, outside shot, uh, I think will really help with four spacing. But um, again, I think obviously just this just gives Maryland um, better offense, I think, especially when you look at what the, the struggle has been for Maryland this year. Uh, Derek Queen, I think, provides that spark offensively. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, conditioning was something that he's really worked on over the last year and a half. Um, so I think that's going to obviously be a continued focus for him once he gets to the college level. But um, again, I think it's his IQ and it's something that you also notice when he is playing, um, you know, again, for a 6'9", six, 6'10", six center, um, very impressive ball skills but it's just open floor passing whether it's in transition and the half court uh that really catches your eye and uh you know very unique for for a big man so uh, i think all those things if maryland is able to kind of take that step forward with their shooting uh, i think those are all kind of things that uh Derek queen uh kind of fits really well and he's kind of able to to, to complement uh if maryland can find that outside shooting ahmed you mentioned the conditioning obviously we're on the tail end of the COVID year players coming into it where do you think Queen kind of lines up maybe going against a fifth year player uh, in College Park next year. Yeah, I mean, again, I think I think probably, you know, again, four, four or five. I, I think I think, um, again, if he can kind of add that uh, that shooting to his game, I think it'll be kind of he'd be an intriguing matchup uh, on the offensive end at the five. But um, again, you know, I think just kind of. Um, he he has the athleticism, but again, it's not his his strong suit. So again, if you're asking him to be, you know, the the primary rim protector, I'd probably still look to Julian Reese to kind of be able to do that. But uh, again, I, I think just um, if if he's able to uh, again just add that perimeter shooting, then I think he'll be able to add some of that versatility and and you know, um, 
you know, last last two years, you know, he's kind of at times, you know, with Geronimo, whether uh, with Maddie, you know, making sure that, you know, we're playing him at the four right now when he's going to master the four before he starts to pick up on the five. So I think, you know, just kind of going in, I think it'll be probably a little bit more natural for DQ to, to probably fit at the four there. But uh, again, I think he has that versatility where he's able to slide to the five, especially in, you know, potentially small ball lineup and kind of um, maintain that athleticism and uh, potentially, you know, not hurt Maryland defensively there. Obviously, roster construction has been a story all the way throughout this basketball season. Now looking at next year, this was the Terps, I guess, kingpin uh, now in the fold. Where does Maryland look portal-wise and, and what additional high school players could be added to this class? Yeah, of course, you know, uh, I think next year, I think DQ adds a, adds a big piece and, you know, whether uh, Maryland adds another front court, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, um, you know, there are no active scholarships open right now. So uh, Maryland will need players to leave. Uh, obviously, you have to re refill uh, the Jameer Young role, um, finding, finding some success on the wing there. I think th those would be kind of interesting. So, I mean, obviously, I think the next domino uh, uh, piece for Maryland, you makes sense naturally for it to be that portal but uh you know Virginia, former virginia tech guard rodney rice uh, i mentioned him a couple times you know he's back on campus for the illinois game I believe that was his third visit uh of the season or some sorry of this semester um so he's been back in the area uh since he withdrew from virginia tech prior to the start of the basketball season um and again you know i i'd heard that there wasn't a huge huge uh interest in kind of making an imminent decision uh but again you know maryland's the only school he's been interested in uh for georgetown was a school that they'd like to look at but again i think just kind of um again you know with their queen going to college park you know queen and, and rodney rice have a relationship but obviously um one maryland's need for uh, another guard potentially another uh, ball handler and what that's what rice can provide but um you know, I think he, he's kind of that main piece where you kind of look at and say, uh, you know, just kind of timing of it will, will kind of be up in the air. But um, you kind of expect Maryland to, to look at him and him potentially being that next commit in the fold. Um, the 2025 cycle, I think, will be kind of interesting, you know. Um, you know, Chance Mallory, Tyler Jackson, those are two guys. Immediately when you think of, you know, who 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 does Derek Queen help with when he after he commits? Obviously, Tyler Jackson, they played two years together uh, at St. Francis Academy before uh, Queen went to Montverde. And then uh, the, the following season, Tyler Jackson opted to go to OTE for, you know, this past year, junior year. Um, and then, again, Chance Mallory, he's probably – the top point guard target right now, uh, team thrill connection between Maryland and, and uh, DQ and, and Mallory there. So again, that that, that kind of helps as well. Uh, and then obviously you want to be able to pair the, the the best with the best. So, you know, Cam Ward, he's another guy's arguably the top uh, prospect, top, top target uh, in the area for Maryland in that 2025 cycle. Uh, Mike Jones has been on him, leading on him. Uh, they've made their way over to Largo a couple times this season to check in on him. Uh, you know, could be, you know, obviously Georgetown's involved, Michigan State's involved, but, you know, he'll have he'll have his suitors as well. So that'll be a, a big recruiting piece as well. Uh, and then again, we'll see, you know, Katie and Lewis uh, from Sidwell. Uh, I think that those are kind of guys. I think Maryland has some work to do there over at Sidwell in order to kind of get the, get an official visit uh, compared to Virginia, or excuse me, Virginia and Georgetown with Lewis. Uh, but again, you know, I think, you know, Tyler Jackson, you know, it'll be kind of interesting to see when these guys uh do ultimately make their way back you know it's felt like chance mallory was probably out of all the point guard targets he was probably the one through this season where felt like maybe maryland had the toughest time to be able to uh um sustain mutual interest so it'll be kind of interesting to see again you know what with with their queen now officially in the fold um how drastically does that interest level change and what does that kind of look like but um you know i think again you talk about roster construction 
in order to do that immediately, it starts in the portal. So uh, they'd be able to find a talented big man and put him down low. Obviously, if you're able to keep Julian Reese for year four, um, then you potentially have a really attractive piece to sell to run the to run the uh, offense at the point guard spot, especially uh, when you look at portal point guards, looking at production, trying to get to the NBA and, uh, you know, Maryland NIL, you know, again, it's not going to be a, a Kentucky UConn or a Villanova level per se, but, um, you know, they, they, there's always confidence that they're competitive and just, you know, with, with Jameer Young's production over the last year, two years, excuse me, um, Willard and Co. should have some ammo to fill that role. Yeah, they certainly do. Lots to sell in College Park right now. Immediate playing time. You mentioned it. Competitive NIL. We'll see. Portal opens in what now? Maybe week and March a half, 20th, two weeks. March 20th, I think. It's the first, first day. Yeah, so time between now and them and Ahmed, obviously, with the coverage over on Inside the Black and Gold. Keeping it rolling with recruiting. Mike Loxley as always active. And Ahmed, I mean, we might have to make a graphic. Every time we're on here, there's a new commit for the Terps on the football side. Yeah, uh, I think it was uh, that was a little bit of a, a quicker turnaround. Uh, Brahim Battles over from Central Catholic defensive tackle um, wanted to commit last week, and uh, what I was told and called be uh, defense coordinator Brian co-defense coordinator Brian Williams uh, wanted him to commit. Uh, then he held off, I believe. I don't know. Days all seem together. Seem to go together at this point. So I can't remember off the top of my head if it was Monday or Tuesday, but uh, pretty much that day, Monday, he gave Mike Loxie a call. Uh, confirmed his commitment, and then minutes later went public with this pledge. Uh, six foot three, three hundred and five pounds right now. Again, uh, he was a guy that played with Levon Johnson, who's uh, now going into his second year with Maryland uh, as as an interior defensive lineman. Um, and again, Battles kind of has, has that experience as a, on both sides of the trenches, uh, but definitely comes in as a defensive lineman uh, where they feel like he can play the nose really well and, and thrive right there. So. Um, Good commit. Uh, I think of a local, or excuse me, not a local, but you know, you you, you consistently hear within that two-hour um, radius from campus is kind of where you want to be able to get your guys. And uh, again, you know, battles with someone that they had offered. Uh, offensive coordinator uh, Josh Gaddis. He had made his way through defense coordinator, co-defensive coordinator Brian Williams. He made his way and has kind of uh, been you know a running point over the last month or so. So. Uh, I think this is a guy that he really just wanted in. Uh, Maryland stuck true to their evaluation. We're plenty familiar with him. Uh, even when LeVon Johnson committed back two years ago or a year and a half ago at this point, um, Maryland had some connections to his school that made them very, very comfortable and very uh, familiar with kind of the player that he was that they were getting on and off the field. So uh, battles with someone that they were familiar with as well. So uh, I think that this is a, a, a good ad. And, you know, I think a lot of people last year in the 2024 cycle uh, – hammered on the, the the trenches and then obviously Maryland was able to really stockpile on the, on the offensive line um be able to add a little bit on the defensive line obviously with that signing day flip from Dimitri Nichols but I think battles again just kind of reinforces uh Maryland's continued emphasis to uh just rebuild and and restock the both sides of the trenches yeah and then it goes again the culture getting teammates uh from high school with with their current that aren't directly from this area I mean, Loxie just continues to build that culture, continues to recruit on it, and and just another get, as you mentioned. Got to build those trenches. Got to find uh, five to seven guys that can play on that, and you got to stockpile to get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, uh, every Maryland fan, when they joined the Big Ten, every Maryland fan knew that, you know, you had to rebuild the trenches. And, you know, over the last two, two three years, you know, between guys like Jalen Duncan, Jahari, uh, Jahari Branch, Spencer Anderson, and obviously this past year with DJ Glaze, um, 
Gaudier Edzi, Corey Bullock, you know, I think, you know, Maryland was kind of at that point where, you know, was, and, and defensive line. Jordan Phillips was a guy who came in on the portal side, but uh, Levon, um, uh, Tyze Johnson, Tommy King-Basote, both those guys, three-year, four-year guys that have been developed at this point. Um, so, again, it's just making sure that you're continuing to do that. And, uh, you know, we haven't really seen it as much on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, offensive line has been the hot topic this offseason and definitely was last offseason. Uh, but, again, you know, I think I think – Part of this is, you know, trying to make sure that you're, you don't have to go into the portal every single year for, you know, three, four new starters on the offensive side of the ball and two, three starters on the defense side of the ball. Maryland hasn't had to do that on the defensive side. Uh, but again, I think once, once after this season, you know, Tommy A, Tyze Johnson, both those guys could end up leaving. Um, so just making sure that the, the standard and the talent level stays the same. And uh, again, you're not, you're not turning to the portal to, to have to bring in waves uh, per se. Yeah, I mean, that that's the focus. And, and it's great to find pieces like your Donnell Brown, your Trey Colbert. If you look at, you know, last year, or the year before, Henry Chabuzzi comes in and, and gives them that kind of plug-and-play aspect. Yeah. The ones, the twos, the threes, you can find that, that number of guys. And it, it's anything beyond that. When you get into we need to find five guys in the portal this year and be competitive NIL and all of them, we want them to be game-ready, starter-ready with just – either a fall camp or a spring spring ball and a fall camp going into it, that's when you're going to start to see, you know, early season, not necessarily the results you want to see. And and you definitely culture wise, won't be able to keep it up. If things get challenging, those portal guys, you know, they're hit or miss as both of us always say on here. So you got to keep the culture consistent. You got to keep the recruiting to that and then not put yourself in that position. Yeah. Again, I think, you know, this is, uh, um, you know, Maryland does a pretty good job, I think, with their evaluations and, and um, you know, just being able to, to kind of uncover that talent. So, um, again, I think, it, think it's exactly you hit the nail right on the head there. So uh, we'll we'll see what the what the portal, what the portal still brings, you know, post spring ball, whatnot. I think we're about three weeks away now. So uh, but again, you know, I think this is a good, good piece. And um, that's Maryland's third commitment in the cycle. Um, so, again, uh, I think this is uh, shaping up to be be a decent class so far. And uh, we'll start to see a lot more local guys make their way to campus, you know, in March and when spring ball picks up, things like that. And uh, Jet White, who was the first to technically commit in the 2025 class, um, he hasn't been on campus since the fall of 2022, but I mentioned this over for uh, Inside the Black and Gold subscribers, but he should be back on campus looking like for the spring game. So, um, again, just kind of being able to get this foundation in and, and kind of continue to build on it with the local talent, I think we'll, we'll be uh, give Mike Loxley and Co. a chance to build what I think should be their most complete class uh, from top to bottom. And Ahmed has that coverage for you over on Inside the Black and Gold. Make sure to subscribe over there and always – uh, subscribe to us here on the pod where we cover football recruiting. Let's get back to what's going on right now with things. Maryland gets to 15 and 13 on the season with a win today in Piscataway. They get their revenge from a loss a couple weeks back, 63 to 46. Ahmed, strange to be for it to be February 25th, 17 point road basketball win in conference. It's the last thing we're getting to on the pod, but that's where the Terps are right now. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's just, you know, a little, little too late, you know, uh, feels like after every game, it's, you know, and I, I, I get the the, the hope, but, um, you know, just the, the lack of postseason aspiration at this point, you know, again, I think I saw a graphic yesterday, if the NCAA tournament was expanded to 96 teams, Maryland would be among the last four teams in, so a little bit tough, but again, you know, this, this Maryland team hasn't given up and hasn't even really shown signs outside of, you know, that week of the, the, the where they lost the Rutgers at home. Uh, there was one of two losses that week. 
um, that was really the only time where I felt like maybe it was just me personally, but I felt like you start to kind of question whether uh, the lost season was starting to translate into how, how they were playing day in, day out. But um, again, you know, uh, the first matchup was a little bit offensively challenged. And I think Maryland was able to kind of capitalize while still maintaining that standard defensively, uh, holding Rutgers to, I believe it was over eight minutes. Uh, eight minutes stretch from the first half to the second half were without a point. Um, held Rutgers to 18 points, fewest uh, points allowed, I believe, in, since 2015 or, or so. Uh, again, the defensive effort was really the catalyst in Maryland's uh, comeback or dominant win on the road today. Uh, but again, like you said, moved to 15 and 13 overall, uh, 7 and 10 in conference play. It's tough, but you just wonder at this point, I think if fans are keeping an eye on you know what type of team shows up and if they continue to fight because at this point, the Big Ten tournament's really that last hope uh, so you just kind of hope that Maryland is able to really hit its stride, and then that way you're you 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 go on a run uh, in the tournament. So um, we'll see. But I think Sunday afternoon's win uh, was just kind of testament to this team really not giving up just yet. Yeah, a couple things that I really liked that I saw. Obviously, Julian Reese, Clifford Amorier, one of the best big men in the conference. Amorier only plays 17 minutes in the game. Juju, obviously, with one of his better performances, in my opinion, of the season, eight of eleven from the floor, gets 20 points on the day. The other thing is Deshaun Harris Smith seemingly is taking steps forward ball handling wise, only at one or two bad turnovers. I saw where he gets trapped in the middle of the court, really strong drives with the right hand, just a lot more rhythm on the court today from the Terps starting five that looked kind of comfortable again, without the lineup changing too much. Dante Scott, obviously with that freak accident before the Illinois game that took him out of the starting lineup, Jordan Geronimo has been battling injuries. So the Terps overall much smoother performance they don't necessarily shoot the ball much better than they usually do really fell off in the second half 21 for 51 in the game six for 19 again from three that's just not going to get better at this point but Ahmed as you said the efforts consistently there the defensive intensity is consistently there and here you are kind of sitting there after that game again like where was that sort of performance on Maryland's home court a couple weeks back they brought the defensive intensity. If they just found some of those shots, like Dante Scott's three threes in the game, it's really a game of inches for this team at this point. You saw it earlier in the week with the four-point loss against uh, Wisconsin team that while their sliding's still near the top of the league, just leaves you leaves me with scratching my head at the end of every one of these games. When they win, it's, it's a much stronger performance. And then when they lose, it yeah. just seems to be a game of inches. Yeah, and again, I think, you know, you kind of wonder, I mean, uh, and – and, you know, Willard kind of set himself up just kind of the way he was talking about Kaiser and Deshaun Aerosmith going into the season. So, um, you know, I think at that point will be interesting to see what those kind of comments are next year on Derek Queen going into the season. Uh, but again, you know, I think when you talk about Deshaun Aerosmith just kind of coming into his own, you know, Willard pointed to it earlier in the season, you know, just, just those guys having to go against the fifth and sixth year guys uh, in the hole. And I think Deshaun Aerosmith, you're starting to see him play a little bit more confident. Uh, but for me, you know, Jordan Geronimo posting his first uh, double-double today as a Terp, uh, pulled in six offensive rebounds. Uh, let me double-check that. Uh Sorry. So, yeah, it was six offensive rebounds, only uh, almost totaled the same uh, number of offensive rebounds as Rutgers on the day period. But uh, Geronimo did a really good job helping Maryland just secure, uh, uh, win the battle on the glass and give Maryland the second chance opportunities, which I thought played uh, played a huge role. And uh, obviously, you know, Willard turned to, you know, Matty Traore and, and Jahari Long at times to kind of, you know, switch up the, the starting five there. But, uh, you know, Noah Bachelor, I know he's gotten some time as well. Jamie Kaiser's made his way into the starting lineup. So I think just kind of 
with the more traditional starting five uh, leading the way against Rutgers, I thought Geronimo, who we've really seen, you know, hot and cold stretches where, you know, games where he goes does well and then the you know, next two, three games where, you know, he's non-existent. So I thought this performance from him today was uh, was impressive. And then, you know, Juju is Juju. But uh, another thing that's also stuck out, Jameer Young just really finishing 12 points, two for nine, you know, didn't really – do, he didn't need to be Superman, as Chris Nagy said in the postgame show with, with Kevin Willard, but uh, still finished the way with nine assists, was able to be a distributor. Uh, but for, for me, it felt like maybe just between Geronimo, what what, he, what his impact was, um, and Jameer not having to do everything. I thought those were uh, probably the, the two biggest takeaways and um, gives you kind of confidence for what Maryland can do. Uh, whether that translates into a, a big run, we'll see. But uh, I think it's, it's kind of showing that Maryland, at least what they're doing now, with how they're playing now is a lot better than, you know, two, three weeks ago, better than six, seven weeks ago. So uh, Kevin Hillard can can hang his hat on that. Yeah, the Geronimo we saw today, very similar to the one that you saw kind of in that stretch around uh, the game at Northwestern, the game at Michigan State. He seems to play somewhat at this point better on the road where he's you know able to kind of scrap down low against other really competitive teams that like to crash the glass more than teams that like to get up and down the court. If this, it's another one of those things. Like if this Jordan Geronimo was the consistent one, the team would have probably found a way to win one or two more games. Another just thing that I didn't notice to looking at the box score while we were talking there is there Maryland only totals five field goal attempts from their entire bench in the game. The bench definitely shortened today. Jahari Long under 10 minutes. He only attempts one shot. Jamie Kaiser actually attempts four of those shots. He goes one for four on the game, but no Matty Traore, who was in the starting lineup, you know, two weeks ago, Caleb Swanton Rogers getting those minutes again, just kind of, again, struggling at times, really quick fouls coming against him, but eats up some of those minutes when Juju was in foul trouble there in the first half. Overall, almost seems like a bit of a different approach for Maryland, but nothing from the bench and they find a way to get it done on the road. Yeah, I was actually texting with a, a subscriber uh, texted me during the game, and we were just kind of talking back and forth. And, um, you know, I thought Treyor, he, he's looked good in those limited minutes, and I feel like he is – I wouldn't say it's confidence that's kind of driving it, but he does look very confident out there. So I was a little bit surprised that we hadn't seen him today. But, um, you know, there there are definitely a lot of times where, where CSR, when he's out there, and, you know, again, he, he's in that backup role where he's coming in, and, you know, whether it's Juju in trouble, Juju needs a break, he comes in in those spurts. And there's been a couple games – season where you know he only plays four or five minutes but those four or five minutes looked really quality and uh you know again he, he didn't do a ton today obviously like you said he only played five minutes but um you know coming down with with a pair of rebounds i thought he looked good um but again you know uh was was kind of interesting it surprising that we didn't see more of jahari long but uh again you know i, I think i think no no maddie uh was was kind of maybe the biggest surprise from uh from sunday yeah, definitely. I just think, you know, with his role and again, yeah. you talked about roster retention becoming kind of a topic with the scholarship situation. A guy like Traore, who's shown something here in the last, you know, five, six games has struggled with health throughout the season. A guy that Willard, another one that Willard pointed out preseason is a guy that can contribute to this team. You would think that this is an opportunity to kind of say, hey, if they want him for next year, if they want him to stick around and not consider the portal, this this situation when you're up maybe if you don't have the most confidence in them but you're up by 20 points on the road 15 points pretty consistently on the road other than that you know four or five minutes scare stretch there in the second half you would have kind of worked worked him in but yeah we'll see what what his time looks like and what games they feel like he's going to give them an advantage in
Yeah, I think he, I think he'll be. I mean, he's. I think he'll be an intriguing piece for for a second season. Even when you watch him uh, a couple times in practice before the season, um, again he's six eleven, seven footers. I mean, that's legit. But he is extremely athletic for that size, and you can kind of see, you know, some. It's a fluid shooting motions where he, he, you know it'll be kind of interesting to see you know if he's able to add that to his arsenal whether he adds more confidence uh, to his mid range I think you know that will be interesting but again I think just kind of in those spurts and you know look back uh, there's one thing that probably ended up being 100 percent sure that that Willard said was Maddie's going to be good he just needs time need to be patient uh, Maddie you're going to see in November isn't going to be the Maddie you see in January he isn't going to be the Maddie you see in March potentially you know. Uh, April, but obviously that's a discussion for another season. But again, I think that that is 100% true. Um, and again, you know, we weren't really sure what what type of player Maddie was at the beginning of the season. But I think he's a guy where um, you know him or CSR, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that kind of develops. But I think he's kind of capable of of being you know uh, a reserve guy off the bench and um, you know provide provide some depth uh, at the at the center spot there. So um, again, I, I like what I've seen, just a little bit surprising. So. We'll see what the matchups uh, Northwestern up first, but we'll see what the matchups kind of warrant, uh, whether he does make his way into the game for the final three regular season games. Yeah, Ahmed, you mentioned it, three regular season games. The Terps take on Northwestern uh, next at home at Xfinity on Wednesday night. Then they'll host Indiana for Senior Day Sunday, and then they'll wrap it up a week from that on March 10th with a road bout with Penn State, a team that's hot right now in the conference. Uh, the I guess the pro of today's win, Terps get out of that bottom four in the league for now at that seven and ten mark. Uh, obviously, if they win those three, they'll split Big Ten play and end up ten and ten. Where do you kind of see Maryland uh, finishing out over these last three? Now, over the last three, I think they'll be able to. I think Northwestern will be kind of an intriguing game. I kind of expect Maryland to take get the win against Indiana. Uh, it'll be kind of interesting. I think uh, obviously with Derek Queen done now, would have been would have been kind of fun if he just you know, hold it for another week or two and just, you know, uh, just played it off that. But uh, I don't think there's a Maryland fan that is unhappy that Derek Queen has already pulled the trigger. But uh, again, you know, Northwestern, uh, even though with, uh, without Ty Berry, I think that's an incredibly tough team there still. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But you can never rule Maryland out at home. Um, and then Penn State, Maryland historically has not had much success at Penn State. Uh, obviously, I think every fan remembers last year's game. I believe is the, the the ball that went through Hakeem Hart's hand for the uh, the eventual buzzer beater uh, there. But um, again, I, I think Maryland gets uh, two wins, um, probably leaning closer to Northwestern than I am at Penn State. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this game on Wednesday is one that, I mean, if you take anything from Today's win, it, it can show that Maryland can flip the switch against the team they played a close game uh, with the first time and, and come out firing on all cylinders. They'll need Jameer Young to be great. I don't think they'll need quite the performance that he had on the road in Chicago, but I, I can see Maryland definitely pulling that one out. Indiana is a team that's just reeling at this point. You almost feel like you kind of have to win that one. You know that, obviously, with DQ wrapped up, you mentioned already that one would have made it that even more interesting, but a game that you still want to win over Mike Woodson coached Indiana team that's really again not doing well a team that you really played poorly against earlier in the season when things were very different for both of these programs but that's when you're probably going to want to win this again stay out of that bottom four and just give yourself that hope if you can find your way up a couple spots you probably find yourself better in the 10 spot where you are now than in that eight nine spot and knowing that if you win day one you'll be playing Purdue day two but plenty of time for us to talk about that here as as things kind of wrap up with league play over the next couple of weeks.
Yeah, but I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Just making sure that you're avoiding that that first day, getting out of the bottom four, just makes it so much easier. <clears throat> but again, uh, you know, I was talking, you know, with some some folks earlier, and everyone's like, "Oh, well, you know, what if we win our last three and win four in the Big Ten tournament?" And sure, I guess I guess that puts you in the conversation, but that's that's still a tough ask. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting. Obviously, with three games left, still got plenty to work on uh, in terms of uh, how, how that ultimate seeding goes but uh getting out of that bottom four goes a long way um we'll see if they make history it's been a while since we've seen some success in the conference tournament though so i like you know apologies that i need to see it before i believe it yeah that was my conversation uh here at home today too was somebody was like well if they get hot they can i was like when's last time we we got past day one the the most i mean i've seen more heartbreak than anything in conference tournaments going back to Guess it was Maryland that posted another one of those like throwback Thursdays that they've been doing a good job with on social this year to like that Maryland Clemson game from 2010. And I was thinking about that season and that was a one and out for Maryland. They lost to the Derek Favors Georgia Tech team. And, yeah. uh, I guess what would be the second round of the tournament that, that, that they play now. Then it was smaller. It's almost impossible to compare those tournaments now because you're not playing two day breaks for the number one for the top four seeds. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think I think Maryland, every Maryland fan mentioned uh, remembers a couple of years ago when Maryland had all those high hopes and had the Big Ten tournament right in their backyard and uh, didn't even make it first night and uh, let yeah let Northwestern pull I believe it was Northwestern pull out the win but yeah um, but again you know we'll 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 see uh, you, you, you can't history you know is always up for up for change so we'll we'll see what what Maryland can do this week uh, this year and um, they'll. They'll need it because that's the last ditch effort. Yep, Ahmed. Anything else to add on the pod? No. Again, you know, we'll see. You know, obviously, uh, you know, we're about three weeks away from spring ball, so uh, we'll start to having some more notes on that. Uh, football team has been really wrapping up turf time conditioning. That's been primary focus. Uh, preferred walk on sounds like it should be getting all but finalized pretty soon. Sounds like it's nearly finalized, but not a hundred percent. Last I checked, so. Uh, mostly kind of inching closer to uh, and then obviously basketball season wrapping up. So should be an intriguing next couple weeks. It sure will. All that news and more over on inside the black and gold.net. Make sure to subscribe to all of Ahmed's Terps coverage. Subscribe to this podcast where you get it. Give it a thumbs up, a like where you can drop us a review as well there. For Ahmed Gafir, I'm Mason Viner. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.